Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, episode 22. Today, I have two words for you, Courtney DeWalter. That's enough, not enough said, right? Um, my very first time that I end up running with Courtney DeWalter, and I think my last time, no, 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 we've run a couple times since, was back in 2014 at Desert Solstice. And Courtney showed up with long, baggy shorts, which everybody was kind of questioning and, and wondering, you know, what, what's up with that? And a, and a terrible nosebleed. Um, Courtney ended up running 100 miles in 24 hours that day. But ever since that day, uh, has taken the ultra marathon running world by storm. She's won Western States, UTMB, heavily in 100, Run Rabbit Run, Moab 240. Uh, back in 2018, she was the ultra, running, ultra runner of the year, named by Ultra Running Magazine. And just a couple weeks ago, she ended up running 68 hours, 68 yards. That's 283.3 miles at Big's Backyard down in Bell Buckle, Tennessee at Laz's Race. So I want you all to welcome Courtney DeWalter. <laughs> that was far too kind. But I loved the walk down memory lane of that desert solstice run in 2014. That, w- that was so fun, wasn't it? Yeah, they put yeah, yeah. on such a great race. But I did have an epic nosebleed, basically that entire race. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember we, thought we, we thought you had it under control. And then it was like three hours later and it was bleeding more. And it looked like, it looked like you might have murdered someone. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> that, that's what we were all thinking. We're like, wow, who is, who, 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 who lost that fight, right? Had a fight at the concession stands. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Come a long way. Six years later, right? Wow, goes by awfully quickly, doesn't it? It you sure does. Like yeah. Kid. So, so I guess it's sort of it's fitting then. You know, I know Courtney, you've been interviewed and you talk about this stuff a lot, but I think this is a good question for you, given your sort of very sweet and gentle personality. But so like, what does it feel like when someone says to you, you're the top ultra runner in the world? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like, um, I feel really lucky to be in this sport right now and to be, you know, able to be exploring these really far distances. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need a label with it. I just hope to keep exploring a little bit more of what's possible to help, you know, then maybe accelerate the people behind me's path to it as well. So like the generations coming up, maybe we'll know a little more and be able to, you know, step into it a little bit easier if um, I can figure out some of those pieces right now. Well, yeah. And and exploring is is exactly what you're doing, Courtney. And I, you know, we've just come off of a presidential election too, where we're seeing, um, you know, the first female vice president. Um, which is just absolutely amazing, and I think that a lot of the the articles that um, that I've I've been more intrigued by about about you is that you know there's a lot of younger female runners that are that are you know creeping up in 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 the in the running space, and realization that that women are beating men, and not just by a little bit, by a lot, and I, I think that that's kind of circling in the conversations now. How how do you feel about being being a role model for a lot of younger female runners. There's so many women doing so many amazing things right now in, in every field, you know? So I feel um, like 
it's really cool what could be possible then for the young girls right now to be, you know, coming up into um, more of a culture where they see that represented more often. And um, maybe, you know, if they can throw caution to the wind a little bit and uh, not think about what they're supposed to do or, you know, where they're supposed to finish or how they're supposed to act, but really like be true to themselves and seek out what's possible. Yeah, no, I think that that's, uh, you know, role models are changing. It's actually really fun to see, you know, for so many years, uh, the, the, the world we lived in wasn't fair. And I don't know if it'll ever be truly fair, but when people like you, you know, it's like this, this joyful approach that you bring to a sport that most people would consider um, miserable. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of suffering, you know, uh, Dave, you, I, we've suffered. And, and so it's sort of an interesting question to think about, which is how do you balance the, your joyful approach with the idea that you're going to go out and suffer? I mean, it hurts and it's, it, it's getting through that. Is, what's that juxtaposition like for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, for sure it's suffering. It, it hurts, you know, no matter what pace you're going, I think in some of these races. So, um, for sure it's suffering, but oftentimes I'll remind myself that I chose this suffering and how lucky that is like running is supposed to be fun. And, um, I'm choosing to sign up for these things where I'll suffer for multiple days. That's cool. Like that. I get to do that. Um, oftentimes they're beautiful. Oftentimes, you know, the people you're around are amazing. So it's like this whole experience really, um, where the suffering is worth it because of all of those other pieces that you get to experience. And then, um, I enjoy the suffering because it like, I'm so curious about these long distances and, and what we can do with them, that the suffering is a crucial part of that where, um, if I'm not suffering, then I'm not exploring that, you know, like, and I want to be pushing so hard that it's hurting because that's how I can see how far we can go or how efficiently I could do it or all of those pieces. Mm. So it's kind of wrapped up into a simple, but also like, I guess a little messy package. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm curious, um, just like you, Courtney, and, and most others, I think that the, the vast majority of runners and, and just anybody, you know, lo you know, logs into interviews like this because they want to gather a little bit of insight into, you know, what, ma what makes you tick, what makes the world's best runners um, who, you know, you think about running 68 laps around Laz's backyard as being, you know, impossible, but yet two weeks ago you were, you were there doing it. And we're actually a lot, probably a lot more comfortable um, than, than, than what you, maybe even you considered or other people considered. I mean, so do you think that your joyful approach has led to a lot of your success in the sport? Um, I, I think it's hard to pinpoint, but uh, for sure it's got to factor in somehow. You know, I think mm -hmm. there's a, a ton of factors in it probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think just, digging just a little bit into this, you know, there's, uh, well, first one point I wanted to make, which we, Dave and I talk a lot about, which is that magic happens at the intersection of curiosity and courage. And so, you know, you're very curious, but you have to have the courage to be able to go there. That's then, cool. Is, is that a quote from someone? Oh, me? Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, we're, I like we're talking it. to a very smart guy, Courtney. 
Yeah, uh, no, that's cool. I've been in, in, uh, studying this stuff for a long time myself. And, but I think that, that sometimes we miss one part of the other, right? You know, and if you don't have both, then you don't get that sort of pathway through. I always think it's like that Star Wars when you zoom to the other side and when you push hard on that, which I think you seem to exemplify, right? you do actually have a lot of courage. I don't think people talk about it a lot, but you're not afraid, right? And that's different than curiosity. Curiosity is a desire to know, but then you have to have that matched up. So, so that intersection, I don't know, but yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's such a cool, uh, I don't know, that, that's really cool. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if you're just curious about it, it doesn't necessarily mean action. So right. the courage piece would, would uh, put things into motion. And uh, I think in general, like people are setting lower expectations for themselves than they should. And maybe it's because of the curiosity or the courage piece or, you know, whichever might be um, a little bit less for them. But their bar is lower and then they can reach it a little bit easier and then they feel like uh, that, that was good. That was as far as I could go because that was the bar that I set. But if we all just notch up our bars a few more levels and chase something that's, you know, maybe out of reach, like that's the cool part about that backyard format is there is no finish line. So you don't, if you set a bar for yourself, you're almost like setting yourself up for failure with it. Mm -hmm. You need to, be like a little bit crazy where you don't set a bar at all and you just keep chasing something imaginary like how how far can we actually go on this four mile loop uh, and i think that's pretty cool that's a special thing to be able to do we had uh we had laz on the podcast and we called him the, the diabolical hillbilly from tennessee <laughs> <laughs> because he, he came up with this concept that it challenges so much of our like almost our dna right we're really good at fixed goals like, yeah okay go get that four minute mile you know go get that promotion you know go do anything and we're good but then when you t make it somewhat indeterminate then you're like whoa now what do i do like yeah i don't know there's no finish line yeah, yeah. So, so like you you did 68 I mean, it's hard to impossible to measure, but how much could, is there a hundred is, could you do? Like, does it keep going? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to say yes. Yeah, yeah. of course. And let's see, you know, what will it take? What kind of person or what kind of day or days or, you know, mm -hmm. strategies can they implement so that uh, they could be finding that out. But um, I think in general in a format like that and really in anything where you're you're chasing a dream that's a little bit crazy you just have to think yes it's possible right well and courtney so so let's give our listeners a little bit of an insight into to where your head goes in between yards at, at bigs i mean i love that being curious but also being very courageous you, you have to step up to the line you have to answer the bell right um, but there had to be hours where you were shaking at the knees that you didn't want to get out and, and, and do another one. Where do you find that courage to, to step up to the line every hour? I uh, tried to stay in very factual parts of my brain and not uh, mm. let emotions weigh into it. So there were definitely multiple hours in a row where 
Um, I was struggling. It was really hot. Every, between every lap, I was just having people put ice on me anywhere they could because I felt like my skin was, could like fry an egg. Like it was just emitting so much heat, you know? Um, but it was also just like, okay, stay in the facts. Here's what you can do with this situation. And then you're getting on the line when that one minute whistle blows, you know, it was never letting any emotion or, um, letting it snowball in your brain where you let one bad moment lead to extrapolating out to think, well, it's over. I can't, I'm having this one bad moment. There's no way I could make it four more hours or, you know, like sometimes we get ahead of ourselves instead of just staying in, in that moment. And, um, you know, if you don't have a choice, you, you go back to the line. <laughs> there you go. Right. There's uh, only one history and many futures. So you want to uh, write that one the way you want to. Yeah, I think that uh, that is, well, I guess maybe we'll finish it. How did you feel at lap 67 slash 68? How was like, oh gosh, I wish I was kept going or happy to be done or? I was having a really fun night. So um, it was just Harvey and I, we had switched to the road loop. And I'd hit a really great groove with my whole night routine. Like I was um, running the four miles very robotically, you know, hitting these marks along the route that uh, were the same every time. And then I was getting back to camp and I was like a robot still, you know, doing this sleep, eat, drink something back to the line routine. So it was pretty fun, actually. I remember like thinking out on one of the loops, this is kind of cool. Like I'm just like, in this robot zone right now where I'm just doing these, this, and it's like enjoyable, but also um, it's not like, I wasn't getting in my head about anything really. Like I wasn't thinking about morning. I wasn't thinking about going over 300 miles. I was just cranking through these laps and uh, feeling like no worse for wear every single time, which was pretty cool. So uh, I wasn't intending or thinking we would stop anytime soon because I just wasn't like projecting into the future that far. I was really in the moment. Um, and then at the start of lap 68, Harvey looked at me and we had been like, we're friends and we had been chatting, you know, throughout and encouraging each other. And definitely we were trying to work as a team. We knew that to do something cool, we needed each other. And so encouraging each other, you know, being each other's cheerleader out there was, important for that and we had talked about that 300 mile mark earlier in the race and you know like how cool that would be and he looked at me at the start of lap 68 and he said I'm really struggling I don't know if I can get us to 300 and uh, then the we like fist bumped and then the whistle blew or whatever and, and the lap started so um, Harvey it turned out had turned around very shortly after we had left mm -hmm. on that loop, but I didn't know it. So it was kind of weird when it finished because it's strange. Like um, a lot of things when you're coming near to the conclusion of them, you know, you're getting close to the end. And mm -hmm. this is a format where you just, you don't have any, like, I didn't have any notion we would be done yet. So it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, that was it. <laughs> I'm done. Oh boy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we had the privilege, Courtney, of, of interviewing Torbjorg, um, who, who will be at Biggs next year. Um, and he ended up winning, he beat Anna in Sweden. I think it was 55 hours. Is that right, okay. Joe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Toby ended up saying something really interesting. And he said, you know, the worst, he said, all throughout the day, I wanted to win. But at the end, I didn't want to win. And he said that was kind of the worst thing that happened is because everybody else found their limit, but I, I didn't find mine that day. Does that, does that, does that ring true with you? Does that, does that make sense? Or would you, would you, would you, would you oppose that? I don't oppose it. Um, I don't disagree with it. I think for me all throughout the whole race, every, every single lap and throughout all the days for me, it was like uh, a team sport where I wanted the people around me to stay in as long as possible. And so as a member of the team, I needed to keep showing up to the line to just mm. keep the momentum going, you know, like the group mentality of we all move as this amoeba. If one keeps going, then we all, you know, people, people just keep trickling in. So um, the whole thing for me was never necessarily about winning. I wanted to be there in the end and I knew I didn't want to ruin the game where I, I stopped early so that someone else couldn't keep running. Right. But um, yeah, I guess my mindset about it was like to do something cool on this course right now, we need people. And so it was encouraging each other. It was, you know, swapping gear or stories or, you know, whatever would give the person the boost to keep coming on the next loop. And mm -hmm. then when it got down to Harvey and I, it was still, it wasn't in my head about winning. It was like keeping myself in it so that Harvey could do his work and keep himself in it. And we could both keep on going. Cause the whole format in that is about going a far distance. Like if you want to win a race, you should sign up for, you know, a 5k or whatever. And mm -hmm. then you're done in however many minutes, but the format of this one, I think, is less about winning and more about pushing distances, you know, seeing what's possible and making it special where you need at least two people to have a great day to do that. No, I agree. And I, I, I we were talking to Harvey, the, I think the week before um, Big's Backyard, and we were talking about that, about the team kind of you know, aspect of this is what Laz has created, which is really brilliant. Um, and really, you know, the, the, the accumulated number of, of laps per runner. So all the runners matter. And really it's, it's, you know, I was telling Harvey that in, on, on the Canadian team, we were, we had this, this saying, Ubuntu, and it's a, 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 a saying that, that Nelson Mandela really used in South Africa, which means, which means community. And there's a saying that says, I am because we are. So I need you to be great so I can be great. And you need me to be great so you can be excellent. Yeah. And I found that in that format, it really wasn't, we weren't racing one another. We were racing with one another. And whoever was struggling at the back, you'd always see people kind of coming around them and supporting them and giving them encouragement. Did you, did you notice that in America as well, too? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why this format's so cool. Like, so it cool. is totally where you need each other to be your best in order for, you know, everyone else to be their best and vice versa. It's so awesome. I love it. Oh, yeah. it's the best. Absolutely. <laughs> On these many levels. I think if we look at the history of sport or adventure and, you know, 
we go farther when we're with someone. You know, that's always that sort of saying, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, then go with someone. And it's interesting, like even some of the greatest other distance races uh, or events have done the best when there was that dynamic. And yeah. it often is that, yeah, everyone's sort of happy to be the winner, but they actually are more happy to have done it with someone than just be the flat out winner. I think there's a, it's, it's part of what's been so hard for us during the pandemic, right? We, we're actually, you know, our neurotransmitter design is to be with people. It's what actually, you know, keeps us all living well together. Yeah. And so this is a format that actually really encourages that. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. And I, I also think it's just like life in general is those memories made along the way, you know? So, um, always in my races the, my favorite moments were ones that I got to share with people along the course or my crew or a pacer, you know, whoever it was, but those are the ones that uh, you take to your grave. It's not like material things or uh, places in things. It's those shared memories moments. So the, 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 the connection with Laz, of course, is always the question of Barclays. Is there a Barclays in Courtney's future? And, you know, is that the place where dreams really do go to die? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very intrigued by the Barclay for sure. So uh, we'll see when it can happen. And uh, we'll see if my dreams die out there. <laughs> I know I have a lot of work to do with maps. Yeah. Yes, so. and that was going to be my next question, Courtney, is how's your navigation? Well, I, yeah, I'm starting pretty low at the bottom with the amount of knowledge, which means there's a lot of room to learn. Right, right. And I was talking to Laz a while back, and because I, I was talking to him about Barkley, and he said, oh, Dave, it's not that bad. He said, you, you, it's really hard to get lost on the course. And I think it was tongue in cheek completely. Okay. I, I okay. don't know. I, I get lost on my in the parking lot to go find my vehicle. I, I'm terrible. So, but, yeah. so I was an adventure racer for a long time, and uh, you learn a lot of our lessons the hard way. And one was, you know, I, I was running and I fell, and my compass went flying somewhere. Like, I oh, no no. Idea. And I'm like, okay, now what do you do? Like, I didn't have a backup, right? So it was like, you know, there is those parts of this race that are very different. Like I did after 20 minutes of crawling around on my hands and knees, finally found it under some leaves, but otherwise you're sort of cooked and same yeah. with Barclays, whether it's your backup headlamp or there's just a lot of it when you're out there in the middle of nowhere and, and it goes dark somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it, challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's another one where he's making it so people can chase this thing that's, you know, there's like in bigs, there's no finish line in this. It's basically guaranteed you won't make it to the finish line. Mm -hmm. So um, these like lofty goals that make people level their bar up a little bit to try and chase it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And when, when you talk to him, you're like, you know, this guy could run a company. I mean, he's, he's pretty wicked smart. Um, yeah. And, and so one of the things I, I, I in my other sort of like uh, phraseology, I was listening to one of your interviews about sort of this trade-off. And I like to think of always happy, never satisfied. You know, do you feel like that's a bit of your persona in terms of how you go at each of these events and your running? Uh, yeah, 
I've never heard it described that way, but I would say yes. <laughs> well, because but happiness is intrinsic, right? That's something we choose, right? Satisfied is about our performance. And so, you know, you can still be happy with yourself, but not with your performance because some days you're right. Like I might run out of calories or, you know, I turn my ankle or whatever it might well be. So yeah, this gamer part of that and it's better to be happy anyway. Right. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think in a sport like this, there's always something you can tweak and do a little bit better. So to me, there's like no perfect race possible because always you could have done something a little differently and had it, you know, domino effect throughout the race in a different way. And that's the fun part of it. Like I love the puzzle pieces involved in ultra running and um, I love, you know, trying to figure them out myself and failing at it sometimes and, you know, getting to try again in a different way. Um, that's definitely part of the intrigue of this sport. Yeah, well, so Courtney, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, duration of events because uh, it seems like, yeah, you know, when it comes to speed and when it comes to, and I know when it's, when we say speed in 100 kilometers, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I know that our listeners are going to shake their heads, but you know, of course, then you go to 100 miles and now the 200 miles is a new 100 mile. Um, but it seems like, you know, with, I just saw Transamericana on the weekend on, on YouTube, there was Ricky Gates, you know, uh, Transcon, um, running um, event, but you know Pete Kostelnik we had on. It looks like Zach Bitter and and Michael Wardian might be making an, att an attempt with the Transcon. Very Is that cool. something that would intrigue you? Eventually, yeah. No. I think uh, I'm like building up to it a little bit. The snowball hasn't gotten quite that big yet. Um, right now, I'm really intrigued by 100 mile plus. But this summer was really grabbed by the 500 mile distance. It's the distance of the Colorado Trail. I attempted it and didn't make it. Um, but I just think that's a really fun, uh, like, mid-absurd long distance. You know, it's not the Appalachian Trail where it's so long you have to have a schedule, and it's not a 200-miler where, I mean, really, you maybe could do it without sleep if everything works your way. It's like this weird in-between. And so that was pretty cool to to kind of play around with that. I'm not quite at Transcon, but eventually I know the snowball will get there. <laughs> it seems to with, with most. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I could see you doing it. I, and I don't know, I, I had to ask. I don't know if it was gonna be sooner, sooner than later, but it does sound like later. Yeah, I'm, nothing's in the works yet, but you never know, um, especially like this year taught us that we can have every intention for our upcoming year and it can all be thrown out the window pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not written off, but it, nothing is actively being planned. You could really ask me about any race and if I was interested and I would say yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. We, we now know Dave, if we put on a race, we can invite Courtney and she'll come. Yeah. <laughs> right. It might even be like a 3000 meter steeplechase. Cause 3, she said 000, yes to everything. Yeah. Wearing a snorkel mask, and juggling right. water balloons. Perfect. I'm I have a feeling Courtney's going to show up as long as it brings laughs. As long as she can giggle <laughs> and laugh, she's, she's in. Yeah. I, I do like this sort of that, you know, can do creative attitude. I, I was, when you're doing a lot of road marathons and I, this guy runs by me and he's juggling as he's running. And he, he ran a 310 marathon juggling. 
like, wow. like up and down hills. Like how do you like, <laughs> I think a new record was just set for a person juggling. They were running on a track juggling and they set a new record for the length of time they were able to keep the juggling That's going. Impressive. And it was like, it was hours. I think it was like five hours, five and a half hours of, of running and juggling. That's impressive. Are you, are you going to break that record, Courtney? <laughs> I did have a juggling set when I was a kid, so I just got to get it back out. and, and uh, so Again, it. Courtney, you didn't say no. <laughs> I didn't say no. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> um, like, no, no, I think that, you know, but... So this is actually, I, I, I like this question for myself. So <clears throat> when you have that can-do attitude, this positivity, this like sort of, you know, embracing life at the deepest level, you know, you, you want to stay away from people who sort of are like negative, right? And they don't have that positive energy. Do you, what do you do either about them? Do you stay away? Do you feel like that you're trying to get them excited about life? Or what's your sort of approach to the, Others who are like, oh, you can't do that. This can't happen kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, I guess everyone, I think everyone's got something to offer. So it would be, you know, figuring out what that is, even if they always are naysaying, you know, maybe they've got something else. I also think that energy and like good vibes can pass around. And so, um, yeah by just being positive, maybe they can catch that a little bit and take it with them to their next thing and maybe they'll feel a little hint of it. I don't know though. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know that I have an answer either. It's just a, uh, it, there is something to be said for it's more fun to hang out with people who are sort of you know, upbeat and positive. This year has been tough, right? The pandemic, I think, as yeah. you said, sort of took us for a ride. How did, how did you, you know, clearly your training went pretty well because you, one bigs uh you had the 500 miler that had sort of an abort in the middle um how was the year for you yeah it was it was cool i mean it, it was awful that all of this was going on but uh running we were pretty fortunate where um you don't need much to go running so i was able to keep doing that in colorado we were really lucky where they left the trails all open and actually were encouraging people to get outside and move. So we were never restricted to our homes like a lot of places I know had to. Um, so I was able to train probably more than ever and uh, get to like having the opportunity to have a clear schedule, no travel, no races. So it was entirely just adventuring in the trails around my house, the mountains of Colorado was pretty cool. Like I ended up really liking it, uh, even though it came at the cost of something not so great going on in the world. Yeah. And that's yeah, for sure. sure. But it was a good reminder to like slow down and also a reminder of how, you know, great it is where we are. Like, I think a lot of people were able to explore their home trails and their home neighborhoods more than ever. And, suddenly realized like what a playground they had there the whole time and they had been you know looking plane flights away always for adventure and and here it was um i also saw a ton of families out on the trails and so you know hopefully that spurs this new mm -hmm. next generation of kids from the city who now realize like 
there's these amazing trails right outside Denver, Colorado that I get to play on. So that could be cool. Um, and then there were things like the quarantine races that people were putting on. Mm -hmm. So like getting together with the quarantine backyard in March or April, yeah, early April, April mm -hmm. was so fun. And it was, was so there fun. were so many clever things like that that yeah. people were coming up with to yeah. stay motivated or feel social or connected or, um, yeah, hopefully some of those things can just keep moving forward even when life resumes to normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so for anybody who, who, who didn't tune in to the Quarantine Backyard Ultra, so I was one of the race organizers with that, with that group. And I sent Courtney an, an email saying, hey, you got to You got to come. And, and you did. Along with Maggie <laughs> and a whole bunch of other really great runners, really good people. But well, one thing for that, organizing, Dave. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Thanks for coming. It was super fun. We ended up having like 2,400 people. It was huge. In one Zoom meeting. It was incredible. I, I can't believe it didn't blow up. It was, it was really, really, really cool. But one thing that was really, really rad was that Courtney would come back after every hour and, you know, you would give you know, the, the joke of the hour, right? So they were really <laughs> bad dad jokes. I wouldn't know. They weren't bad. They were great. The, they the, were great. The bad Thank ones you. are the best ones. I love those jokes. Oh, and they were great. And so, but I, I just thought, I just thought that it showed the world you know, that you'd come out back from running your, your yard, your 4.18 miles, and, and you'd come back with a big smile on your face wanting to tell a, a great dad joke. Um, <laughs> it was, I just thought it was, it was, it was, it was exactly what we, what we thought of who Courtney Walter was. It was great. Hope, hope for humanity when we see that. Right. That's, that's, I mean, I had, a, I had an audience that didn't get to, they didn't get to not hear the jokes. Like. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are good, you know, I know it is good. I, I think that, you know, what we appreciate, you know, when we find someone as special as you is this, uh, you say something like, some people don't think running is fun at all, right? But in life, what I'd like to sort of know from you, what does loving what you do mean to you? So you love running, you love being an ultra runner. What does that mean to you? Uh, I think exactly what it sounds like, like loving all of the parts of it and um, yeah, getting a lot of joy out of it. A lot of like, uh, it's hard, like you have to work for it. So it's not just like falling easily into your lap. Um, yeah. And there's a great community with it. So loving it is like all of the, the pieces of it, I think. The journey, the effort, the, yeah, the, the infrequent rewards that we get, but it's actually, it's the whole journey, right? That's, I think even if like, imagine if you were uh, an artist or a sculptor, I mean, how much time it might take to get to an outcome, right? And yeah. Probably not always easy. You know, many of, many of what we do, I think, is trying to find sort of <clears throat> an understanding that how we feel along the journey is actually better than the outcomes, right? That's, What's yeah. sort of fun about ultra running? Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, it doesn't have to be fast. That's the great part about this sport, right? Which is you can go at any pace you like. Just got to get out there and do that. And uh, I like to tell people that you don't need permission to live the life you want to live, right? You can just choose that. So you ended up. You, I don't think you planned on being an ultra runner, right? When you started off. No, I didn't know that that would be possible. <laughs> it wasn't even really a thing was it like no no yeah 
yeah, no, for me, it was just a, a cool, uh, a cool challenge to just keep trying these different distances and, you know, trying to level up to the next distance and see if I could survive that one. It was like a, yeah, a game of survival. Which <laughs> is a good, that's like a game of life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I see Courtney is that like, you know, the world's best runners are also what I've noticed is the world's best people. Um, they're really incredible people in the, in the ultra running community. And, you know, there, there's giants amongst the giants. And I think that you're the giant amongst the giants. You're, you're, you're incredible at what you do. You really, really, really are. But you're also probably one of the most humble, um, kind, giving, generous people that, that, that are out there. And so I think that, you know, in, in life, we learn a lot and we take that into our running. But I think at a time in 2020, when we have a global pandemic, when we have, um, you know, COVID, uh, we're, we're learning to, to live life in, in this COVID-type world. I think the rest of the world is looking upon ultra runners and, under, and trying to ask, how do they adapt, you know, hour by hour, day after day of running, you know, you know Big's Backyard and, and uh, the Moab 240 and all your other uh, races that you've become successful at. And you, you've become incredible at coping and, and, and taking what you've learned from life and putting that into racing. What are you now taking into life that you've learned from racing back into life at a time of COVID-19? What, 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 um, how are you adapting day to day with, 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 our, with our new worldly realities? Yeah, I think it's um, staying in the moment, kind of like uh, during an ultra when you have to, when it gets really hard, sometimes you have to break it down into, you know, really small chunks in order to convince yourself that you can do that. So whether it's the next aid station 20 miles away or it's the next tree 20 meters away, you know, whatever's digestible in that moment. And so um, I think that's super applicable to this COVID wave that, you know, goes and comes back and, you know, rules change and our knowledge of it changes. And so um, staying in the moment and then just being okay with whatever you can digest right then. Like, is it just till lunchtime that I can picture being like able to get to, then just do that and do it as best you can. And at lunchtime you reassess or, you know, is it the whole week that you can picture? I don't have kids. I, it's just been my husband and I during this pandemic. So I can't imagine, you know, all the layers added in with kids doing school from home and, you know, people still working from home and all right. of the layers that is. But I think in general, just breaking it down into that digestible piece can can work no matter who you are. Yeah, so building on that, a little bit of advice maybe to people listening about, so it's easy to see what the physical training plans look like. You know, go run a mile today, 10 miles, 15, whatever. Do you have any advice on the mental training that one should do that gets you ready for an ultra or for a big backyard? Is there anything you do specifically or could tell people what they could do? Um, I, nothing. So I don't follow a training plan for my physical workouts. And I also don't have any specific plan for my mental training. Hmm. Um, I always hope to use races for sure to accumulate, you know, the biggest mental lessons and the biggest mental endurance gains that I can. Um, but day to day, for sure, there's, there's some in there. Like, um, I think 
one easy thing to do is to just like always go out and do something. So um, not letting yourself fall onto excuses of weather or, you know, your favorite TV show just came on or um, you just don't feel like it or you didn't sleep great last night. Like there's so many reasons to not do things. But if your mindset can just switch where it's like, this is what I get to do right now, so I'm going to do it. Um, that I think can be really helpful in the long run of gaining some mental strength where, where you just don't look for excuses always. Like if, if you're not in that habit, then it becomes easier to not do it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, what's sort of interesting about that is, um, you know, when you don't make an excuse in life, then you won't make the excuse in the race because yeah. we know we're going to run into this. It's not the exact same thing, but it is the same feeling and the mental anguish that goes alongside with that. You know, where I, I, of course, the micro goals, which you talked about, are really good. And we always are told don't make a decision when you're in a bad state, right? You know, move out of that bad state before you would ever make a decision. Like, don't, you know, you feel crummy. And we always tell ourselves, well, we're going to feel good again soon. So why don't I wait till then to decide if I should keep going yeah. rather than, uh, than right now? So, yeah, I think it, it is, it's an interesting sport, you know, having gone through, you know, just running, triathlon, all those things. I found the ultra community to be the most friendly uh, and supportive as well, which is something that's hard to find. Uh, and, you know, I think you even commented on a race where you fell and someone came back and helped pick yeah. you up, right? And that's, uh, that's emblematic of what we would like to see more in life. And so it's yeah. a good practice. It's, it's almost a simulator for us the other way. Go do the races to simulate sort of what you're going to encounter in life. And you might end yeah. up with a little bit easier pathway. Yeah. The community totally hooked me in and how friendly it was. Uh, from the get-go. That person who ran back after I face-planted in a mud puddle, you know, to pull me back on my feet, that was in my very first 50-mile race, which was my second ultra ever. Um, and so right away I learned, you know, how cool this sport is and that this is how we do it in this sport. You know, you don't, you're never, you're never in such a rush that you can't help someone near you. And same in that same race, I mean, it was horrendous weather, sleeting, windy, like awful. And every single, if you asked anyone if it sounded fun to be doing that, the answer would be no. Like, of course that doesn't sound fun. But the person I was running near in this awful weather had put on a trash bag because they didn't have a raincoat and they were just hooping and hollering, you know, squealing with delight down this trail. And it was infectious. It was like, oh, we don't have to you know, hate life right now because we've got these things that are supposedly awful. We could make the best of this situation. And I think ultra running does that too, where uh, you make the best of it and you help each other along the way as you're all doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think that, you know, on paper, um, if you paid attention to social media and, and what other people think is being hard and painful and difficult, yeah, we're not supposed to be having fun out there. Yeah. But yet, you know, you end up seeing people like Courtney and, and other people on, on, at the front of the race is having a lot of fun and kind of going, man, you know, it is what it is. And let's just go out and, and, and keep having these meaningful experiences. So, so Courtney, like, 
you strike me as you know you're very humble you're you you'd be like a small town girl right where you know you're very personable it seems like anybody can come up to you and chat and and you, you just have time for everyone um how are you handling a lot of the publicity that you're getting now new york times you know the joe rogan i believe was downloaded over two million times or something rather how are you dealing with publicity <laughs> did you know you have a wikipedia page by the way <laughs> that's an accomplishment I, uh, you know they only put oh, some yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, I never in my wildest dreams would have predicted that this is what I would be doing right now, but um, I'm thankful for it every single day and uh, trying to enjoy it as much as possible every single day, you know, the, enjoy the ride while it's here. And um, if those different, you know, publications or podcasts or, you know, interactions with people can help them try something that's a little bit hard or that seems a little bit crazy, then, then that's great. Because uh, I think it would be a really cool world if everyone was, you know, reaching for the thing that's just right out of reach, like mm -hmm. pushing themselves a little bit harder. Yeah, it's what makes us special. You know, just to comment back on the community, um, we have lots of cultures, you know, whatever there's maybe, I don't know, 189 countries around the world. But if you go run an ultra race anywhere, we have the same community feel. You know, it's like there's something that you just sort of either a type of person or the way we do it really. You could run, you know, in Australia, New Zealand, go to China, go to Europe, wherever. And it's, it's pretty special in that way. And, and it's seen by um, this global backyard, right? I mean, imagine how hard that would be to get that many countries cooperating to do this kind of race. I mean, like it's almost incomprehensible. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. It is this same feeling, no matter where you are, you show up to a trail running group in a different country where you've never been. And it feels like a group of friends that you just haven't seen in a while or, you know, a family reunion of sorts. It's pretty wild how, how welcoming it feels always in my experiences. Yeah, so let's talk Mont Blanc just for a couple minutes, because, right, that's like the, we say Western States is the, you know, the big race in the U.S., but Mont Blanc is, well, the races alone, I think, are 2,000 plus or something like that, plus the people out on the course. I mean, it's, it's like it's a lot. the brand. <laughs> how, did, how did that one feel? Different, you know, hard race, of course, because of the mountains, but the, the atmosphere. Oh, it was electric. It was uh, pretty exciting through all the little towns, but then you would get back to the, um, you know, just the simple trail running feel when you were out on the trails in the mountains. So you got, um, you remembered, you know, how special the trail running community was, and I would get to share miles with people who maybe we spoke the same language or not, but it was just us out on this trail in the middle of nowhere beautiful, you know, stars or sunrises or whatever, but then you'd come rolling through a town and it would just be like mayhem of people cheering and um, yeah, the, the whole town showing up to help these runners keep pushing through. So it was a cool combination of uh, both like, um, you know, the exciting crowds, but also the, the simple, like just your feet and this trail and this mountain. Yeah, that was a good win. Congrats. 
Well, thank you. Uh, it, was it hard? Do you feel like that was a hard day? I mean, of course hard, but like for Courtney. It was a really hard day. Yeah. At yeah. about 70 miles, I was smoked. I was uh, throwing up. My legs were trashed. I was overheated. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there was still 30 miles and three huge climbs to go to get to the finish line. So then it was just one step in front of the other, basically. That was as far ahead as I could think. <laughs> That's pretty good. I saw some of that video. I could see you plodding yeah. along. With, uh, <laughs> but, you know, had a good outcome, right? So make me think of, uh, I did the rim to rim to rim on July 4th weekend one year. It was 120 degrees and I felt wow. like my head was going to burn open, you know. But uh, you keep talking about the heat. Uh, are you an FKT seeker at all? Uh, you know, I didn't latch on to it this year with no racing. I tried the one FKT yep. of the Colorado Trail, um, but I didn't go after a ton like on my local trails or anything. I think it's a really cool challenge and it's fun that there's these routes out there that anyone can try at any time and, mm -hmm. you know, see where they can land. So mm -hmm. I think it's awesome that, you know, this website has been developed for it. It's like fastestknowntime.com. If you've never seen it it has the whole world and then you can zero in on where you are and figure out what established fkt routes there are what times have been done you know read people's reports on it so i think it's um just another way where running is cool you don't need a referee or a stadium or anything special it could just be your shoes and this route that you want to just keep figuring out better that's pretty fun yeah yeah, so, yeah big challenge i guess right yeah. yeah. And so what about the Colorado Trail? Um, after, you know, after not, not, not succeeding on the, on the FKT this year, are you going to go back next year and, and do it or the year after? Oh, I hope so. I loved it so much. It was really cool. I made it to 309 miles out of uh, 490 or whatever it is. Um, and that was for sure a bummer. I had hoped to make it to Denver, but I think it just lit the fire for me a little more of like, that is so cool that I got to basically, I got to experience the first 300 miles of it. And now I get to go try it again, try it to do it better and try to make it the whole way to Denver. So yeah, I hope to try again for sure. Yeah, there's no shortage of good challenges, right? That's the good part of what we have going on with, I mean, Colorado, you got 14ers to do, you know, I love the, and in different geographies, like in the UK, you know, the Bob Graham round and other, you know, of these great, just difficult, hard challenges that, you know, people have been doing them for a long time and in sort of somewhat of obscurity. And, you know, yeah. you have like Killian who's bringing some attention to it, but almost always done with this, you know, sort of quiet, sort of humble approach to, you know, some of these amazing challenges. So, yeah, you could be anywhere. And, have that opportunity yeah um, have uh, you guys tried fkts you did dave yeah with the trans canadian yeah. speed record yeah and so I'll, I'll be going back again this year well 2021 okay Hopefully. we'll see we'll see where covid numbers are at and government yeah. regulation right now in the maritimes in eastern canada i don't think you can get in unless you're a, a an eastern resident okay but um yeah no i'll be i'll be hopefully making an attempt this this next summer it's a big one. It's 7,200 kilometers. So yeah, it'll take up the whole summer. You're still intrigued by it though. 
Oh, I, you know, once you try it, um, I end up having an injury about halfway into the country. And once you try, you, you, you got to go back and what a yeah. cool way of seeing your country. Yes, I 100% agree. Did the same yeah. thing with Colorado. It was like places you would never visit otherwise. And yeah. here you are with your feet just moving through it. It almost makes you wonder why we didn't do it before. I mean, yeah. you know, these, you know, to go and, and take one step across you know, a, a, an area of land that you want to go and explore. You know, I talked to, to Pete about that, about, you know, his key to key run and just the people he met, the foods he ate, the weather that it was all what he said. It was, it was all meaningful experiences. Every day yeah. he had a meaningful experience. Isn't, isn't that cool? That's so cool. It's yeah. the same as um, Ricky Gates, every single street challenge that he started with San yeah. Francisco where he ran every single street in the city. Um, and that sort of took off where people all over the world then were like, oh, I want to explore my town that way. And yeah. people were learning all sorts of things about this place they had lived their whole life. Like, it's so cool. Running That's is cool. amazing. It just <laughs> yeah. is. And what's even better is the community of runners that we all get to share this with. Yeah. Having these goals and, and wanting to all have really, nice, really great experiences all together. I think it's so, so rad. Well, yeah. I think the other thing that it shows is that this, to go back to that concept of you don't need permission to go do something in life. And often too many people are waiting for something before they go do it. And, and this community, this is not a community of people who are making millions of dollars, who are doing this with big sponsorships. This is a community of just amazing people who are, you know, taking the resources that are available and leveraging them for this amazing journey. And so this sort of like, well, I would if I, you know, these conditional kinds of ways of thinking are not necessary. I mean, Ricky Gates, this is one of 100, I mean, Dean Karnazes years ago, right? 50 marathons, 50 states, you know. Um, yeah. And so I think that we should dream up whatever we want to dream up and then go after it. And it doesn't matter, you know, like there is no failure in partial accomplishment because it's a full accomplishment whatever you did right yeah 309 miles is amazing doesn't it matter there were more miles to go mm. doesn't matter dave went halfway across canada that's amazing so we we don't have to define it the same way as you know some you know mythical thing of like winning the super bowl by the way the day after you win it's sort of over anyway because the next team is gonna like so this i think is much more sustaining i think if we can get more enthusiasm around the sport because of its freedom and its, its dynamic sort of uh, in nature, we will, you know, all of us benefit from that, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that it's one where you can create goals that fit, you know, with where you're at then. Right. So like, what's the thing that inspires you and gets you moving? That should be your thing then. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's so cool, Courtney, too, is about the backyard experience and the backyard race. Yeah, you know, I've talked to Laz in length about this and about how it's just about showing up and not quitting. You know, mm -hmm. the vast majority of people that do backyard races, once they look at the person next to them and go, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm not going to be Courtney. I'm, I might as well drop out now. You know, they, they quit. You know, and some people say, oh, I never quit. Well, that's not true. We all quit. Just quit a little bit later than what you would normally quit, right? Or, or be the last person standing like Courtney DeWalter, but there aren't a lot of them. There aren't a lot, aren't a lot of Courtney's out there. And so, yeah, so what's, yeah, what's neat about, about uh, these events is, yeah, you know, they, they're tailored to wherever you're at in your life. You meet in the middle. 
Yeah, exactly. So Courtney, you know, Chasing Tomorrow is the name of our podcast. Um, I think it fits you quite well. Uh, <laughs> it's like, that's what Dave and I are all about. You know, it's like tomorrow will be better than today. We know that for sure, because we're going to make it so. So for you, what's sort of, I know you've talked a lot about, you know, this openness to, but if what's your feeling about your chasing tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that name and I like that uh, <clears throat> philosophy for sure of uh, we, we get to carve this path through this one life we get, however we choose. And so um, <clears throat> to make the most of that every day and then when we wake up the next day to make the most of that. So for sure chasing tomorrow, but also, you know, doing what I can today to make it great. Yeah. Well, you're doing a fabulous job for the world, for the ultra running community. Uh, if we had a million more Courtney DeWalters, we'd all be doing much better on this planet. <laughs> and there'd so, be so many bad jokes. <laughs> so many bad we, jokes. All right. So you have to end with at least a joke for us then, Courtney. Can you give us a... Uh, putting her on the spot. I like it. No, right on yeah, the spot. Putting me on the spot for sure. Oh, man. <clears throat> what do you call... Nope, I don't remember it. This is my problem, you guys. That's why I have to have a joke book because I can remember pieces of jokes, but then always pair them with the wrong punchline. <laughs> then it sounds terrible, right? I do the very same thing. Yeah, or you have to backpedal, redo it. Everyone's falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 jokes right. are always good too, you know. We're, uh, <laughs> not, not jokes. Well, anyway, Courtney, we do appreciate it and we'll look forward to... Uh, seeing you out on the trail and doing more incredible things and serving as a role model for all of us. Thanks very much. Well, likewise, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Courtney. Dave, I think we've made it as podcasters. I mean, having Courtney on was a thrill and just a wonderful experience. I mean, she's really the most amazing combination of nice and joyful, competitive, thoughtful, successful, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And her race results, they're amazing. It's just so fun to see how humble she is. I mean, she's not only a role model for the ultra running community, she's a role model in our broader community as well. I truly look forward to seeing what challenge she takes on next. I imagine it'll be a big one, and I hope she comes on the podcast to tell us about it. And so there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Performance Tea. You can find them on www.performancetea.com and they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20, the number, to get the discount. And if you have a topic or guest you'd like to see on the show, email us your ideas to info at chasingtomorrowpodcast.com. And a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much. <laughs>